Hello, and welcome to episode 52 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Resident Evil 7 and WWE Champions, which is scarier. Xenomax and Oculus settle a lawsuit, which is definitely the only bad thing that has happened to Oculus in the last year. There's a new FIFA out this year, fancy that? And this week we'll also do a barrel roll, as we look at some classic Nintendo 64 sci-fi action with Lilat Wars. This is Link to the Cast, and I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined on the couch, as I am each and every week, by the platforming prodigy, Old Man Robinson. Particularly Old Man Robinson this week. Mark, how are you? It's really nice to be away from Twitter for the next 90 minutes. Isn't it? <clears throat> I've, um, more so than usual, been welded to uh, to Twitter for kind of obvious reasons. Yeah. And, I, um, I, may, I don't know if I ever declared it on the podcast, but I, I, I think like much as it pervades my, my as it is a, an interest of mine, much as it pervades most of my life, I have decided to make this podcast a, a politics-free zone. I, I'm not going to specifically cert- address yeah. anything, but it, it really, like I've noticed, I, I can't get off Twitter at the moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's suffice to say certain uh, tangerine short-limbed cretins get enough airtime hey. on pretty much every other broadcast. Sure. So this is going to be a nice oasis of calm. Yeah. But Mark, you had some celebrations this week. And not just because I'm back. Not just because I'm back. Yeah, it was my birthday. Another year older. Yeah. 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 I, honestly, like, I, I've never been... four zero. I, no. <laughs> I've, I've never been particularly, like, phased or fussed about birthdays. Um, no, I, I think, like... I think once you get past 21, which is, like, the... the I felt like it was when I was past about 15. But, you know, for most people. Like, yeah, for yeah, the, sure. Like, outside of bubble. You say that, actually. Most people are don't Are 21st know. not a big thing over in England? No, of course they are. Oh, yeah, I was going to... Because I don't... I don't know. I thought sliced pan was a thing everyone said until I found well, out you had never heard of it before. Just because it's called bread. Yeah. Uh, but it's English. For, for, for a lot of people, like, the 21st is the last big rah-rah um, until like I think the 30th uh, well then it's can. but then what I mean is like sure, every 10 yeah. years then yeah like, um, every I, round I mean, number you, you're talking about me here my 21st was not exactly anything to shout about um, yeah I, I, I think I was that dickhead I had two because <laughs> well my like because I am from this town that dickhead Newbridge, and because I lived in Nace oh, okay. my Nace and Newbridge friends were too lazy to go to the other town sure, so I had right. I didn't have like parties where I rented out a room or shit like that we just went out drinking a lot and I just did it one night in Nace and one night in okay. Newbridge because it was logistically easier. Yeah, uh, and it just, like, um, I think because uh, my birthday is in January, like, so soon after Christmas, and just because, and just because I'm me, I just don't really care. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd rather just have a quiet one, play some games and, you know. Did you do anything? Um, no. Went to a very nice restaurant, had mm. some uh, fillet chicken with courgette and cheese, it was a good time. Yeah. And then just went up to Dublin, just went up to the city on Sunday, uh, sold most of my Pokemon games, which was... Up to the Rage on Fate yeah, Street. went to the Rage. Shout out to the Rage. 
Shout out to Rage, gave me 150 quid. Friends Very nice of the show, even though they don't know. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, I keep messaging them saying, let's do some something together, and they don't get back to us, so never mind. Uh, no, it's just, it was a quite chill that weekend. Um, the girlfriend was very nice. She bought me a USB uh, adapted N64 controller. Which we are already planning to have some fun with. Uh-huh. And uh, a copy of the uh, Settlers of Catan, the board game that I've been playing quite a lot over Christmas. You know, I've, I've actually been toying with the idea of it in the next couple of weeks uh, because I actually did really well when I was away on my trip, budget-wise. I've, I've thought about getting a GoPro. Really? And we could film some tabletop, tabletop oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking particularly like why I was going to get it now is because the Switch is out in a month. Uh, okay. And a lot of that stuff is not conducive to True. streaming. Like because the like one, two Switch and stuff. Sure, like that, yeah. sure. Yeah. I've, th- I've thought about it. But yeah, Settlers Cat is something I, because I've never played it. I just, it's all the rage at the moment. It's like the in vogue, even though it's been around for a long time. Hmm. Um, it's the in vogue board game I hear about a lot, and not just from you. Uh, I look forward to sitting down with you and both of us getting beat by Laura because she's very good at it. Is she? She's fucking ruthless. Had she played it before you? Had uh, played? Only once or twice. Okay. So, but yeah, so that's my birthday. How was Prague? How was your? Yeah, so away? like that's where I was last week away on assignment. I was uh, going visiting the the girlfriend in Prague. I've talked about that she's there uh, studying for a year uh, before on the show. Uh, it was really good. Like um, nothing about Prague. I haven't already said on the show. It's a lovely city. Um, we we took trips as well to uh, day trips to Vienna and to Austria. Well, not to Vienna and Austria. Uh, Vienna and Berlin while we were there. And um, it's cool. Uh, it, it kind of makes you. It's one of the few times I, I've rude the fact that we we live on an island. Uh, because of how cheap and easy it is to get to other major European cities from Prague. Sure. Like it was a 20 euro, 20 euro for a return trip to Vienna or to Berlin. Um, and then like relatively cheap for uh, hotel as well. And like the bus. And it's great having the whole EU thing, you know, getting in and out of countries. Yeah. And Yeah, like we were stopped yeah. on the way into Germany because Germany obviously have tight border security at the moment, given recent events. Sure. And uh, we got spot checked by the Czech police on the way over the border and by German police once we got over the border. Funnily enough, the Czechs didn't give a shite when we were coming back. <laughs> and the Austrians couldn't give a fuck either. <laughs> didn't have to take my passport out of the thing once oh, really? uh, going to Austria. But, uh, was there any kind of language barriers there? or just uh, Most, like, kind of like with Prague, most people that uh, were in school from the 80s onwards have pretty much Basically, perfect yeah. English. Mm. Like... Czechs, anyone under the age of about 50 is fluent yeah. in English. Uh, I've, I have not met somebody who isn't an old person over there that has any trouble. Always reminds me of the Eddie Izzard skit where he talks about just us, us the English being the ones, or, you know, mainly focused on the English, but, you know, there's a whole of Europe here and there's this kind of melting pot of cultures and languages. Yeah. They have to bend to your will. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we're like, oh, yeah, some guy was ringing up about his Deutsche Mark, he's been at fucking on that. <laughs> but I got to go to, in, in Berlin, it was kind of poignant because... I coincidentally it wasn't planned but happened to be in the memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe on Holocaust Remembrance Day which was a sobering experience mm. to say the least um, but very interesting kind of in my uh, my uh, real world job of history teacher it was kind of it was really handy uh, and I picked up like a massive stack of books about the Holocaust that were like 
primary sources that this organization that built this memorial uh, put together so mm. really really invaluable stuff uh, I got myself a piece of the Berlin Wall they're yeah. still selling off pieces of Berlin Wall yeah, it's there. mad to think that that's a thing like they were talking to an Australian professor when I was buying it and he was saying like is it not silly you're selling off part of your history um, <clears throat> and the man kind of just shook his head and went we still have so much left it's right. like there's like there there are warehouses they have so much of the wall we'll, we'll be buying bits of a mexican war in about 50 years time <laughs> but so. like the the amount of like the amount that they're selling off tiny bits sure so the amount this german state must have made off the wall by this point is ridiculous got to visit checkpoint charlie that's where i bought the the bit of the wall the that was the the gatehouse between uh, east and west germany uh, the American troops were on. Um, when we were in Vienna, the the only like cool, significant thing I think, because it was very kind of, they were both quick visits, so I didn't get to see all the things I would like. As it turns out, when we were in the the, the Holocaust Memorial, I didn't realize till afterwards. I didn't remember till afterwards. I knew it was there, but we were only a couple of blocks away from uh, the bunker. Oh really? Yeah. So I could have gone to see that if we had time. Uh, in Vienna, the only significant thing uh, we saw that a lot of people would know would be the. Uh, the old-timey fairground that is uh, from a pivotal climactic scene in Orson Welles' The Third Man, mm-hmm. which is one of my favourite movies. Um, so that was pretty cool, because that's a movie I've really loved since I was a teenager and getting to see the the famous like Ferris wheel and shit like that. Sure. was really, really cool. Um, but the, the one other thing for my trip then, um, before we move on, is just that if I ever see snow again in my entire life, it will <laughs> be too soon. Uh, Vienna at the weekends as it turns out uh, if you're trying to plan to go anywhere between point A and point B uh, everywhere we tro- we were moving uh, it was quicker to walk than to get public transport that's how on a Sunday the public transport is over there seemingly and uh, walking in basically blizzard conditions I think it was like minus 10 and the it was snowing hard and it was windy um. Yeah, I never want to experience snow again. Fuck I, the snow. I imagine that they deal with snow on a more frequent basis and give less of a fuck about it. Uh, yeah, they do. But it, yeah, it was just kind of like it, it, the roads were well gritted and shit like that. But it was it was just fucking like sure. I'm sure it's a much nicer city when it uh when it's nice out. But sure. I, I had heard a friend of mine lives in Vienna that it is really rough during the winters there. Mm. Uh, people do get killed by falling snow sometimes. Good times. Off uh, anyway, yeah, so that's that's my trip. I'm back, mm. ready to talk about some video games. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. What have you been playing this week, pal? Uh, I downloaded Fire Emblem Heroes this morning, so I won't talk too much about that. Yeah. But uh, having played Fire Emblem Awakening... A few years ago, it has the... Is that the 3DS one? That is the 3DS one, I think. A lot of people really like that one. There was there two, I want to say, on the 3DS? There was, there was one that came out last year, but I think Fire Emblem Awakening was the, the big, the first yeah, big yeah, 3DS yeah. one. Everyone and, really liked it. And I liked it. Um, I did spend most of my time playing it thinking, oh, you know what, I could really go for Advanced Wars. Um, but, you know, we all... I, I, yeah, I, I think that a lot of the time, just when I'm walking down the street. Um it remains the, the the kind of general mechanics of a Fire Emblem game uh, and the visual style. It's it's very anime in places, mm. um, but enjoying it so far. It's annoying that 
you have to be connected online, um, which will be the big issue with the next game that we're talking about. Um, but if you're into Fire Emblem, it's it's a kind of smaller, bite-sized, condensed version of the Fire yeah. Emblem game. So, uh, so so far, it's kind of it's it's not winning over any new converts, but the the people who are already there, who are already in Camp Fire Emblem, are going to have a good time. For a game, they are converted to mobile in this ongoing transitional phase for nintendo of yeah. converting some of their big ips to to yeah uh, Animal crossing got delayed this week as well it did it did yeah um but i think that's going to be the real big one because that's a game that's made for being on mobile mm-hmm. you know um but I'll, I'll probably talk about more about fire emblem next week uh the game i've been mainly playing uh, this week is wwe champions <laughs> This yeah, so we're we're fans of the the wrestling, the graps as sure. we call it. We're fans of the graps, and in the last week, uh, watching any WWE program, WWE programming, we've been bombarded with advertisements for this WWE Champions mobile game. Yeah, which appears to me now. This is where I'll hand off to you entirely. Uh, appears to be just a match three game with WWE animations that look absolutely nothing like. Well, their real life the, the animations and the character models look a little bit like that um wwe was it all star the the one where like all the wrestlers had the proper jacked up model physics and was like more of an that was arcade cool, though. yeah the real stylish one yeah the yeah, one where where randy savage was doing an elbow drop but adding like From, four rotations in as well yeah or, uh, like <laughs> freaking randy orton jumps into the like lower lithosphere to yeah. hit the RKO. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the the character models reminded me of that. Um yeah, basically so this game is made by a company called Scopely who are based out of uh, LA by the looks of it. WWE All Stars, yeah. Yeah. Two thousand and eleven. Um and they've had a couple of games here, nothing that I'm I'm overly familiar with. And this champions game seems to have come out of nowhere. I got really addicted to Supercard, even though that was a terrible game, right? Because, well, it was a nothing game. A lot of know? people got stuck in that hole. It's it's a nothing game. Yeah. WWE Champions has a little bit more going to it. So it is a match three puzzler, and you have, uh, like, a bar, and then you have the two wrestlers in the ring. And the animations are really smooth, and it runs really well. And so as you uh, match three coloured gems together... Uh, the ball will move across to your opponent's side of the screen. And the idea is you want to get it to the end to uh, activate a pinfall. And then your uh, opponent has to uh, match however many points he needs before the free count comes down. Um, On top of that, you have uh, different cards, which you can change and you can uh, boost up in the the menu screen. And they are uh, kind of charged up by matching the correct colored gems so if you have like a yellow card you want to match up the yellow gems and they'll have different moves and they'll have different signature moves for different wrestlers so your john cena's got your five knuckle shuffles and your cesaro's got your swing and they have different perks as well so if you hit one of those moves it might randomly change the color of one of the gems so there's a little bit more going on um which i can appreciate that they haven't just made a shiny glossy match for they've actually gone in and they've added some mechanics to it the biggest issue with the game isn't the the core game itself. It's everything going on outside of it. Because obviously it's a free-to-play. So um, 
they want to incentivize you to make purchases. So there's the whole um, real money or cash money that you can buy, which you can then change into coins, which is kind of the is the, the typical way of doing it now, where like once you've made that transition from the real money into these coins, you can't do anything afterwards. You've made that purchase essentially. Um, but you can use those coins to, like, you unlock different wrestlers, and they have different perks, so some are technical, some are aerial, whatever. And there's kind of a rock, paper, scissors thing going on, kind of like Pokemon with their different types, if you will. That um, doesn't really make it specifically clear what's weak against weak. But so you unlock a character, say like a Kevin Owens, and then you can start charging or upgrading his abilities, basically, giving him more health, more life. Um... But the whole menu screen and how that works is a fucking mess. It is it's very unintuitive. Um, it's the kind of thing where you you can feel like the developers have made it so busy that a person who doesn't know what they're doing is just going to start hitting things and at some point is randomly going to accidentally purchase a 149 pack of whatever or something um i don't like the way it's designed but i do feel it was intentional and that feels a little bit sleazy uh but as an actual game it's it's there's more to it than supercard which isn't saying a lot because pong has more to it than supercard <laughs> But I, I kind of enjoy it, and I'm kind of like I do want to stick with it. It's yeah. just it's really annoying that it's you've got to be online to play it. Um, but yeah, it's like those mobile WWE games have been either sneakily good or sneakily deceptive into thinking that there's actually something there to enjoy. Um, but they don't feel like they've been put together in five minutes. It feels like there was actually a bit of thought put to them. Um, so, yeah, I don't know who's kind of behind that in, in their team. Um, but, yeah, probably download it and have a look at it, I'd say. I have been playing a little game you might have heard of recently called Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. So yeah, I was gonna subtitle Biohazard. I actually prefer lowercase B. I prefer the Japanese version. Biohazard Resident 7, Evil. Resident Evil. Because it makes so much more sense in yeah, terms yeah. of the game, I think. Um Yeah, so where to start with this game? Um <laughs> Is it better than Resident Evil Six? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is considerably better than most entries in the series, I think. Um, I think the arguments you can make for games in this series that are better than it are four. Um, and depending on what camp you fall into, because there is a camp of people who think Resident Evil 1 is better or Resident Evil 2 is better. So whichever one of those. So there's like, it is, um, it's so different um, in a lot of ways, this game. Like it's it's still a horror game. Um, I, I'm trying to... The, the reason I'm having difficulty with this, people at home, is that I'm trying to dance around spoilers for what happens here. Because the thing about a horror game um, is that when you start talking about the things that are in it, when if you hear me talk about, like, thing X happens, or if I'm even loosely giving you hints about it, when that thing happens, it doesn't have the same effect on you if it's a jump scare or if it's a, an, an emergency. Well, here's the thing I, I'm going to talk about or ask about is yeah. because mechanically, this is the key thing here because they made the transition from the first three games from the fixed camera tank control yeah. type classic zombie horror style um, film into a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was the birth of survival horror or like the kind of pioneer of it. 
and then you had four, five, and six, which was more of an action, uh, not uh, an action horror game. If yeah, you, will. you can split this series quite conveniently into trilogies if you don't count yeah. zero and revelation. So what I can see here is they've taken everything that's come along in the last five years from, say, like, Slenderman onwards, with that first-person survival... Going back to survival horror, if you will, but in the first-person style, um, and looking at the likes likes of um, Outlast and Soma and Alien Isolation. And there's a lot of... The two things I think it it borrows from most... Uh, in terms of the way it's structured, is Silent Hill, um, particular not, not particularly PT or the, that the Silent Hills project. Although you can definitely see at points that they saw that and went, "Oh fuck, I've got an idea." Oh sure, yeah. It definitely rubs off because I think I think that the the impact we won't realize for years the impact PT had on game design for horror games until we, we look back at it years from now, like I said, because it, it really, it, it profoundly changed what people thought they could do with horror. Hmm. Um, and there, there are certain elements of that, but the, the other thing it borrows from, so the Silent Hill series, uh, in particular because, um, not that, it, sometimes in the Silent Hill series, the combat was <laughs> janky. I wouldn't say the combat is, is janky in, um, in, Resident Evil 7, but you do get the same hopeless feeling of, like, why am I even trying to fight? Yeah. That, that the idea, one of the the great ideas that came out of the Silent Hill games is fostering that idea in a player's head that sometimes it's better to run and run very fast away. And the other thing it borrows heavily from is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The yeah, movie. yeah, no, absolutely. Um... It also, weirdly, of all the games it borrows from in the Resident Evil series heavily, uh, it borrows most heavily so far in my playthrough from Nemesis. So I was going to say in that. In as much as that there is this, there are, but like, I'm really trying hard not to suppose. There, it, Look, there, there is a character. There, there is a character who, the big bad of the game, who persists through the game with you in a way that, is reminiscent of Nemesis. Sure. There's also a reminiscent, uh, it's also reminiscent of Resident Evil 1 in as much as it is broadly set in, th- around this yeah. house. I think the, the key thing here, and this has been true of, of horror games over the last few years, from because of this first person perspective, mm. you have to face whatever head on you know it makes it incredibly immersive it makes it really hard to get that thing where you like detach yourself and say it's a player character and And i've been uh Uh, looking cranked up as well by if you put headphones in well that and i've been seeing some people that have been playing it through vr and they're like and i've got people i know who are like hardened horror video game fans Mm -hmm. and like i can only play it for about an hour yeah like it's too intense i still insist right so horror games i i say it all the time and it's not me trying to be like oh i'm so brave but horror games genuinely don't scare me um never have uh with the exception of silent hill 2 because that's psychological and it, it like it got inside my head and i was 12 so it's, it's understandable yeah um but horror games generally like i love the craft of them jump scares get everybody you know you, you do a little jump mm-hmm. but in terms of like the you know i don't get wigged out and want to hide the game uh in a fridge or anything like that yeah um but 
this is a game that even I have to take breaks from. And it's not because I'm constantly getting scared and wigged out and can't sleep at night. It's because it is relentlessly tense. It's very intense from what um, I've seen. The sound design is fantastic. The uh, area design, the puzzle design, also brilliant. The the characters that that you encounter in it are brilliant design. The loose kind of tendrils of ideas that link back to the original series i'm not going to say what has or hasn't directly or indirectly been mentioned so far um but it both feels like an entirely new franchise and also so far i'm about half two thirds of the way through the game has some hallmarks of the series in there that it's definitely a resident evil game um i love how it looks i think it looks really really fucking good like not as good as pt is the standard bearer for horror in this generation sure but that's an hour long demo so you know um the 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 one the one drawback i will have because we're we're drawn to an end here in this segment the the one drawback i do have it i do think the load times are a little bit punishing and that's me playing it on ps4 pro is that so, just loading the game up, or is it's that when, when you, you die? Go, no, it's not when you die. It's your first boot up, and then if you move um, into there are there are segments in the game, and I think it's one of my favorite things. And I, I'm I'm going to wrap up now, but um, there there are segments in the game where you find VHS tapes and you put them into VHS players, and you go move into a different narrative. You you follow what happens on this VHS tape, but you control a play a, a character that's on the VHS sure, tape you're watching. Yeah. So it's like a little mini episode in the middle of it. So when you boot out of that episode back into the house or whatever part of the game you're in, that takes a while. And when you boot up the game for the first time, it takes a while. But once you're in there, everything moves smoothly. It's brilliant. So like it's kind of like Hitman in as much as there's one kind of ass-kicking load and then you're done with it pretty much. So it's like it's not as bad as it could be, but it's see now if they were using like Betamax, then that would be a little bit more realistic. <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah. But uh, in short, fucking phenomenal game. Um, I can't wait to talk about it more, and I will talk about it uh, on future shows. Let us talk about the news. News on the mark. I think, Mark, I can say without fear of contradiction that the biggest news story of the week in gaming was the uh, final settlement in the Oculus Zenimax lawsuit. Uh, I don't know if you've been following this, this story much. I saw the story uh, early on today. Uh, Polygon had a, a kind of big, lengthy thing about it. Yeah, so this has been going. <laughs> this has been going on for for quite a while now, and it's the idea that. Um, Palmer Lucky. Uh, the accusation is that Palmer Lucky uh, may have, uh, shall we say, borrowed some of the technologies that were that formed a key part of the Oculus from Zenimax. Uh, more specifically, uh, a name a lot of people will recognize, John Carmack. Um, is involved in this lawsuit as well and Zenimax are trying to claim that basically the Oculus um, the Oculus could never have come about without their proprietary information mm-hmm. um, so it was a copyright lawsuit in essence now um, Zenimax had demanded 2 billion dollars which considering 
the size, the, the, the valuation of Oculus when it was uh, at the peak of a type uh, is not incredibly unreasonable. Uh, recently, though, uh, as this got closer and closer to the, the court date, they upped that to four billion. Um, but a settlement came anyway. Oculus were willing to settle on it, um, and not to say anything like that. But a lot of times, when things are settled out of court, it's because the verdict probably isn't going to go the way of the person that's willing to settle. Yeah, uh, that that tends to be not all the time. Sometimes it's just we'd rather pay a lesser sum of money now and get this whole court proceeding out of the way so we don't have to be dragged through a news cycle of being in court for copyright infringement mm-hmm. um, but they settled in the amount of 500 million dollars uh, the basic core of the argument is that, that Palmer Lucky who for a long time before last year before he was put in a cupboard after certain things came to light about him um, the, the, the argument was that he was the wunderkind of VR that he had pretty much the whole Oculus project had come from his head and the whole lawsuit hinged on it is impossible for that man to have thought of all that by himself. Exactly, because Nintendo had the virtue of boy at least 15, 20 years <laughs> earlier. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's basically it was the, the timing of the lawsuit. I, I, I always found weird because um, ZeniMax filed the lawsuit pretty much right after Facebook acquired Oculus. Um, so I think that's where some of the room for doubt might have been that like why was the lawsuit not filed or in the process of being filed before the sugar daddy came in and bought the company and made it much more valuable look you're going into details that no one will probably know or yeah it's get... it's all speculation because the, the other joy about settling a lawsuit like this is that all the details don't have to exactly. all dirty laundry doesn't have to get aired and i imagine um, that's more the reason why this was settled out of court just that well a to get it under the rug because let's be honest oculus and the the pr around it isn't exactly in the best light certainly considering um lucky's uh, uh extracurricular activities that came to light last year yeah and on top of this i think they just wanted to get this buried under the rug uh, yeah like the, the jury the jury found tied together yeah the tame. jury the jury found that like certain elements of the accusation of Zenimax were weren't true in their opinion that doesn't surprise me um to which oculus have said it it is uh there's a statement from an oculus spokesperson saying that it was a limited victory the the heart of the case was about whether oculus stole xenomax secrets and uh, in this spokesperson's opinion the jury found decisively in our favor we're obviously disappointed with a few other aspects of today today's verdict but we are undeterred oculus products are built with oculus technology so they still maintain that no foul play has been done here um, but Zenimax have got their $500 million and they were presumably going away. Um, but yeah, that was like, just caps off a fucker of a year for Oculus. <laughs> like, it, it's tough when you're uh, an emergent kind of uh, technology company. Uh, VR is really there, the, the, the spearhead of it, even though uh, it's funny because... As it turns out, most people now, I personally have not got my hands on any of the big three VR headsets, but by the kind of just taking the temperature of most people who I follow in the industry who have had hands-on with all three, uh, Oculus is the kind of uh, the, the pricey one of the three. The Vive is the best one. 
and the PSVR is the one that is affordable to your average guy on the street. The most accessible one. Yeah, so yeah. Oculus doesn't have the, the real boast of being the uh, the best hands down or the most affordable, which no. is a tough it's a tough road to hoe. Especially when all these like the the, the alt right stuff with Palmer Lucky, the um the 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 pedophile sting on the other executive just around Christmas time. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Uh, and now <laughs> having to settle for in the amount of oh, five hundred million dollars. Just shut it's, up, shop. Just it's it's tough. Like um, make some mobile. I games, hope for the people honestly. that are employed in the field of virtual reality that this doesn't kind of hobble it a little bit because you kind of you need good news cycles for people to keep interested and not to go oh isn't that the official headgear of fascists no so i i don't think so (laughs) because i think that vr is contained enough within a group of people where like this only casts a negative light on oculus and not vr I would hope so, but then again, the man who was at the centre of this lawsuit and the alt-right stuff was the guy who was on Time magazine as Mr. VR last yeah. year, and that's where most people remember the name. Not that he's from Oculus, Maybe. but he's the I, guy with I the know. stupid headgear. I feel like Vive and PSVR is coming along in in a way that I, I don't think it's going to make as much of it. And obviously, there's no, going to be I some... I, no, I, I don't think it's going to completely tank the, the VR industry, but I don't think it's any way of a help at all. No, I will certainly agree with you on that. Um, Moving on, anyway... Uh, EA confirmed this week that FIFA 18 is on the way. That's not really a surprise at all, Mark. But the reason I brought this story up was something that I am very, very happy with. And that is that FIFA 18 is going to have season two of the journey. The kind of the branching uh, football RPG soap opera. We didn't mention that at all. You didn't mention that at all in our end of year podcasts under any yeah, category well, like not anyway for it to go in yeah but. it's like the, the journey is rough around the edges uh i will say like it, it goes a little dream team sometimes um nothing wrong with that no it's just a nothing, smidgen of dream team nothing wrong you know? with that um but it is good it's it's really good uh, it's not like we had a it probably would have featured on some things were it not for the fact that last year was an absurdly good year for games mm. Um and it definitely wouldn't there was no point in putting on a list because it would have gotten knocked off if we had like a best surprise category yeah. maybe that could have gone yeah. in there it was it was within a like a, an arse's roar as they say of making my list for best story uh, but uh, I just there were could you have games could you have looked me in the eye and honestly I couldn't have, it, would, it wouldn't have got any love in the room yeah. it wouldn't it, it would have been one of the ones I put on the list just to just make to give it yeah bit. sure Sure. Uh, but that's coming in and this is at the end of like EA have made a couple of interesting statements this week um, so bringing back that is good because it, FIFA has this long history and it's usually with game mechanics FIFA have this long history of trying something new making it the big selling point of a game and then fucking dropping it um, like it, the one I remember most of all because it was a silly idea was in it was FIFA 2004 the entire kind of advertising around that game was tilted around uh, the idea of off the ball control mm-hmm. that when you're controlling uh, with the right stick moving a player around if you hold down one of the shoulder buttons can't remember which one uh, you could use the right stick and the face buttons to control a different player to move him into position while you're running along with the other player. Yeah, you know um, that game um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons? Yeah, you know how, like, that's really difficult and that's in a kind of slower, contained puzzle environment? 
<laughs> yeah, there's a reason it didn't come back. But yeah. they, like they have a long history of, of that kind of stuff. Uh, and kind of randomly dropping out modes. Well, I mean, um, let's be fair. When you're making the same game every year, you need to throw in like some mad bollock idea yeah. every now and again. Um, so I'm glad to see that come back in. The other thing I wanted to mention from EA here that's not really related to FIFA, but it is under the EA bandwagon, is I'm delighted to hear... Uh, they. I don't know if you read the EA executives that uh, had a comment about Titanfall this week. No, I missed that. So they insist that Titanfall 2 wasn't a failure. I know they, they are very supportive of it. Yeah. Um, so financially, by a lot of metrics, especially when you compare it to the other first-person shooters that it's... came out either side of it, it is a failure, relatively. Uh, in a large part, that's their own fucking fault anyway. Which shot themselves in the foot. instantly funny, because th- I'm, I'm pretty sure now, I love Battlefield 1, but uh, of the three big shooters of last fall, Call of Duty, Battlefield 1, and Titanfall 2, Titanfall 2 is the best one. I still need to actually play it. Uh, it's super good. Yeah. It's super good. Um, but that's cool because that whole that that actually, I thought the best first person shooter last year was super hot. Oh, oh, oh boy! Don't get me started with that <laughs> game again. But of the three, oh wait, marquee... no, sorry, Doom. What am I about? Doom. Doom, oh, yeah. Doom, Doom, Doom. Of oh, the Jesus. three marquee shooters oh, of yeah, the fall, sure. like, yeah. Um, and then the the other thing that came out was the uh, the former EA community manager who started tweeting out Skate Four. This oh, week. I I saw that and. Yeah. I... I saw it. I yeah, just, yeah, but it had an interesting week for public statements. I saw it. I accepted that it was never going to be a thing. I moved well, on. Well, it came out the uh, giant bomb followed up this story this I'm week. Sure, they did. Uh, but no, uh, the guy who the guy who does it, people didn't realize that he had actually been posting that on his personal Facebook for the last month as an in joke, <laughs> because he's like he's a community manager, so he sure. is obviously aware that everyone is bombing every single social uh, media course. post with Skate Four. Yeah. So he was doing it as a joke, and he posted it. For everybody to see for the first time, so they didn't realize he'd sure. already been doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, interesting. Hashtag skate four. Oh, never mind. Uh, moving on. Finally, and I think this is the third time we've reported this story, but it's definitely true now. The Wii U has finished production in Japan. Yeah. What was it like? Two, three months ago, we were like, "It's finished, but it's not finished. But it's finished, but it's not finished." And but the switch is coming, so it's definitely well. finished. And then a month ago as well, like it's it, we've definitely reported this twice. Yeah. It has definitely like, and not just us. It has definitely been out there. Yeah, because because um, they bro- publicly denied it the first time. They privately denied it the second time, and this time they're like. Because Breath of the Wild is going to be the last first-party game for the Wii U. Yeah, because the other one, there was another first-party game coming out that got cancelled today. Yeah, that sounds about right. I can't remember what it was. I hadn't actually heard of it before. Um, but yeah, so the, the Wii U is finished production in Japan, so once the stock is gone, it's gone. Um, but we all knew that was going to be the case. As as soon as that Switch comes out, that the Wii U is dead in the water, even if they keep producing it. They can't fucking sell the ones they already have on no. shelves so why keep producing it exactly like um i'm sure they're aiming to get the install base for the switch as as big as possible have you seen the projections that they gave to their uh shareholders i feel like i've glanced over the numbers but it's a ridiculous amount was tens it... of millions they're yeah. expecting to sell within the first year the wii has only sold like a few million uh hold on i'll get sales figures there now in a second yeah, like, I, I feel that they want to try and strike confidence in investors considering the poor... Yeah, but the problem with that is that if you falsely... Uh, if, if you 
do that to in, inflate investor confidence and then it you turn out to not deliver the fall is yeah. much worse and the problem with that as well is the the lineup of games up until christmas is pretty thin because you've got breath of the wild at launch you've got uh switch one two and uh Bomberman R and one other game I can think of I can't think of off the top of my head and then after that you've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Splatoon 2 or Splatoon yeah. and that's all I can think of until Mario Odyssey at the end of the year that's not a lot you're you are not going to see the most recent figure I'm here is, is sorry to cut across here the most recent Wii U sales figures I'm seeing here is like around the is it 19 million yeah 19 million it's not good yeah. For what, like four or five years now? And recently, since the, the Switch announcement and the, the initial kind of uh, rock back to that, uh, share prices for Nintendo have dropped to their lowest level since the Virtual Boy. Oy, 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 oy. Yeah, so uh, that's it's grim. Yeah. Um, um, I, I hope it works out, but like, just the, the lineup of games isn't great up until Christmas. Um, and the the launch lineup has been beefed up a bit by the like the, the smaller games and the indie games that are now getting announced for launch day. Sure, so I, it's it's a bit beefier. Yeah, maybe I'm not I'm not entirely convinced by that. Um, I think that you're gonna have whatever the install base is gonna be, what it would have been anyway. Um, and then you're just gonna see nothing up until Christmas, and then like, I I think you'll get you'll get trickles. Um, um, because you, you, when, when sure, Mario when Mario looks, and, yeah, Splatoon, Splatoon two, uh, like because the original Splatoon shifted some units of the Wii yeah. U, and that might be the case here. The only other good thing as well is they announced as well that they're going to be selling a profit, which yeah. is pretty much unheard of for consoles. Yeah. So if the right. uh, as well, then uh, what could help it when it comes out is uh, word of mouth. So if word of mouth comes out that yeah, the maybe. and. Uh, Early early indications are that the form factor, like even though there's a lot of kind of rough edges around the Switch, but the actual playing of games, once you get down, you have the Pro Controller or you have the Joy-Cons in the grip, um, it actually feels good to play Nintendo games on it. So if it comes out and people are like, oh, it's not a massive stupid disaster like the Wii U to play, uh, that could help as well. And I think if they sell maybe only four extra consoles, then that will pretty make up the money till Christmas. <laughs> That's true, yeah. When uh, we go to New Donk City. Yeah. Um, going to the other end of the spectrum in terms of sales expectations, the PS4, out since uh, the holiday 2013, has just announced that the last quarter they had, which was uh, centred around, uh, it was November... December 2016 and January 2017 uh, is the best quarter in the history of the PlayStation 4. I saw a graph earlier and basically there was a bunch of lines and I saw that the PS2 was on the right side going up and the PS4 was on the left side going up and it was saying, yeah, PS4 at this point is selling more than the PS2 at that yeah, point. It's well keeping value. That is mad. Uh, so I'll read this is from Eurogamer, uh, Wesley and Poole. Uh, PlayStation 4 continues its remarkable sales success, shifting more units during the crucial Christmas quarter than any three-month period so far. During the third quarter of Sony's financial year... Oh, sorry, it was October, November, and December. My mistake. Keep, on, keep in uh, mind as well that Microsoft had slashed the Xbox One something fierce. Yeah, and ha were having their best months. Yeah. Um, during that period, 9.7 million PS4s were sold. That's more than any previous quarter since the console went on sale. In the same period last year, only 8.4 million were sold. 
The PS4 is now up to 57.1 million units sold. Is this including PS4 Pros or is it separate? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, it's just under in the because this came out as part of the the quarterly sales report from sony in general Mm -hmm. so it's all just under the banner of playstation 4 hardware right although i would suspect i love my pro i'm glad i got it but i would suspect that that does not make up the majority of those sales because especially because they have the slim model now of ps4 as a hundred euro price difference yeah i'm sure it's a select uh few so that's yeah it's pretty outrageous um at sony's game division sales increased 5.2 percent year on year to 5.3 billion in part because of the increase in sa- uh, software sales mentioned above and in part because of the launch of psvr in october it's incredible because i remember for a lot of last year we were saying where are the first party sony games there was fuck all of them like unless you count uh, some of the psvr stuff that came out this year mm-hmm. uh, but the fact that they managed to despite having a fairly barren year for first party uh titles that they managed to increase their sales year on year is pretty phenomenal and they're set to have a killer first quarter this year because start of march actually it's the end of february horizon zero dawn is out mm-hmm. which went gold this week mm-hmm. so it is going to hit its launch date now and it's not on on the list of things to talk about here on the flip side of the PS4 Pro, uh, PS4, um, what is going on with their kind of online, borderline like Steam community type games, which they have been trickled onto the PS4 marketplace? Because you've got Life of Black Sheep. There's another game I can't remember what it's called that's come out, and they look like really bad. Oh, early Black access. Tiger. So yeah, let's say black sheep. Black sheep, yeah. No, sorry, life of black tiger, and there's another one as well that I can't think of at the moment. Yeah, they still haven't. Uh, Jim Sterling has been doing some good work around this, where he's just like, Sony are staying ridiculously quiet about the. There's a massive backlash against this because people are concerned. I said this on the show two weeks ago. I said this is a concerning point that we are going to get towards uh, Steam levels of lack of curation, well, which is incredible because, because it is much harder to get a game on PSN than it is on Steam. Exactly, so this it is, should yeah. be therefore like there should be some sort of barrier for quality. But like, look, like, Sony, this looks like Sony, PS2 shovelware. Sony, if you're listening, we'll take it on for you. Shoe, our boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if if you want it, me and Dave here. We'll, we'll play test whatever you want. You want to send us out Horizon Zero Dawn just to make sure? No, like we'll even take like the kind of five dollar shovelware shit. Just to, I will. You know, yeah, I enjoy a bad game. Exactly. We'll then. curate that for you, but sort it out because um, I don't know what's going on. Like because it seems to have just kind of crept up recently. You you'd always get because I tend to check the library for just to see if there's any stuff that goes up in pre order that I can talk about on the show. Um periodically you'll get one that go that you, you just go that looks a bit naff but yeah it's definitely taken a real dip of late that that life of black tiger is um it's exceptionally poor <laughs> it really is uh yep i would i like i i've had such a temptation to buy it you fucking madman. Because I was just like, oh, I would love to stream that game. <laughs> I would love to stream That it. is my money that I have given to you for WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to fucking spend it on that. <laughs> I am evil. Jeez. Um, PS Plus lineup. 
um, get some games you don't have to pay for. So the, P the PS Plus lineup for this month is actually pretty good. Um, it's the, 2016 was a really patchy year for PS Plus games, but mm -hmm. February this year, uh, January kicked off with uh, we had Day of the Tentacle and what else? I think I had the other game, whatever it was. Well, I can't remember. Day of the Tentacle was the the, the show stealer sure. for me there. Um, but Sony has announced the February lineup for PlayStation Plus games. The headline is the PS4 version of Little Big Planet Three. Planet. Planet. Little Big Planet Three. Sony's platformer that revolves around user creation. Super fast side-scrolling shooter. Not a hero. Also available on PS4. Um, PS3 owners will get Starwall, and Vita owners will get Ninja Senkai DX and Torka. Was it Torkel? Yeah. I need to remember to turn my Vita on every now and again. I've, I've missed out on quite a few. You can, not all months, but some months you can knock them all off uh, just to be on your library through the PS4. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, not all the time. It's, I don't know it's why. Still, you know what I had the urge to do the other day? Well, I almost had the urge because I have in, um, I actually have in my Vita and I've never actually played it is Persona 4 Golden. <sighs> Block off some time, my friend. Yeah. Block off some time. <laughs> it's really good. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Time. It's super Japanese. Time. It's, it's like mega Japanese. Well, uh, yeah, I love my Vita. I still do to this day. I think Vita is a tremendous indie machine. It is. Um, I. 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 The they thing. left it to die. Sony. Well, it's just true. But the, the, like the indie third party support is really good. Like it's my favorite. Uh, I love playing Fez on it. I still need to I fucking play Exium like Verge. Huh? Oh my I know, god! I know. I know. Oh my god. I know. That would be beautiful on that screen. That's how I play Shovel Knight. Uh, it's, I played Shovel Knight on my Wii U uh, pad, which is good. Yeah. But yeah. Um, oh, Shovel Knight is such a good game. games like that. Proteus, a few yeah. a few others yeah. are really good on that. Um, it's, and it's a lovely little screen. I play a lot of Spelunky. Yeah. On yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, love browsers. I think we'll just have to talk about the Vita. Vita at some is point. good. Like it, the thing is, as well, like it's it because Brian's picking up one for himself. Um, of course he is. But they're cheap enough to pick up secondhand. Uh, mine was secondhand in fairness. Yeah, yeah you can get them for like hundred quid if you're I looking at places. I picked up a new one for hundred and fifty with yeah. a bunch of games with it. Like so, it's pretty good. Like oh, I made the sacrifice. I didn't get the one with the OLED screen. Sure. Um, but it's still even the non-OLED one looks great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a big advocate of the Vita. The the biggest problem in the Vita is the actual kind of like first party Sony games are it's terrible, awful. But like like they're not. What it is is they're bland ports of a of a of like smaller versions I of their. Played five minutes of the Uncharted one. It's like this is fucking terrible. Yeah, like it has its fans. Uh, same with Killzone Mercenaries mental. is apparently a decent Killzone game, but I I don't want console games on a handheld system. No. I want handheld games. No. You want, like, weird shit like uh, Metal Gear Acid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. mad shit. <laughs> like, that's what you want. Um, anyway, that was that was a bit of a fucking tangent. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, DICE, uh, developers extraordinaire, have announced that they are ending uh, production of additional content for Star Wars Battlefront uh, to move fully into development of Battlefront 2, which we all knew was coming. Uh, but this is the first real official kind of, yeah, we're doing Battlefront 2. I, I just give a shrug to that. I, I have no thoughts um, opinions on this one. Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront is like... You liked it for about 10 minutes. Yeah, they, they, they did not stick the landing on that game because um, 
I can't remember what podcast it was. Some podcast said, and it's brilliant because they pointed out, if you only have half an hour to play a game, Battlefront is the best game you'll ever play. Mm. But if you have any more than half an hour at your disposal and you play into minute 31, you're like, oh my God, this is the same shit over and over again. <laughs> it gets really old really quick, that game. Um, and it's complete lack of a single player um, mode is kind of yeah, yeah it, but i it mean it looks great we are it always like great. the outliers with that kind of thing when it comes yeah. to no single player it, it looks great the sound design is great which is important star wars stuff um, actually you just stick john williams on the there's, background there's just it. not enough variation and this new one the the battlefront 2 seems to be multi-era it's going to be based across like all the eras referred to in the films mm. um so Hopefully there's a bit more content in it. I'm not going to bite very early on with this. I'm going to see if it has much of a tail on it when it comes out. Can't wait to run around as Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, riddling with phaser bullets yeah, or fair. photons. Uh, that'll be a good time. Uh, moving on. This was an interesting one that happened while I was away. It happened the day after the podcast went up last week. Um, IDOS and Crystal Dynamics have... Uh, are working on an Avengers game. Yeah, I saw this so, get announced. Yeah, uh, Eidos have announced a multi-game partnership with Marvel. The The first game, they, they like we don't know what genre of game, anything like that. It's a very, very vague uh, pre-rendered trailer. Uh, it's Right now it's being referred to as the Avengers Project. It doesn't have a final title. Uh, we'll know more about it in 2018, whether that means it'll be announced in 2018 or it will be out in 2018. Who knows? I won't hold my breath for it to come out. But it's pretty wild because it's going to be Crystal Dynamics who are best known of late for making the excellent uh, rebooted Tomb Raider games and they made Pandemonium back in the day and I was a big fucking fan of Pandemonium and they're partnering with IDOS well they're under IDOS but more specifically they are partnering with the IDOS Montreal studio who are best known for the Deus Ex games yeah um, so it's under the Square Enix is, house yeah and this is the kind of the the, the kind of the, the, the other side of this is that IDOS Montreal have also announced that uh, don't expect another Deus Ex game anytime soon. Yeah, um, I did see that. Apparently, they were very much their own internal projections of how that game was going to do uh, critically and financially were not met. So they are not exactly in a rush back to that series, which is a shame because I, I quite like that game. It's it's difficult, but I, I quite like it. Um, but yeah, excited to see... like. With the exception of the Lego games, I am um, I've kind of been shocked. The the whole big blockbuster movies getting a video game tie-in as standard thing had really gone away in the last several years. Mm. I remember any time a big movie used to come out, there was there was a video game version of it, and they were almost always terrible. In in fairness. Uh, and that seemed to have gone away, but now we're getting an MCU Avengers made by the the tomb raider and deus ex people i'm very very intrigued well like it's i mean we'll we'll see how the games turn out but of course yeah i'm not surprised like at some point there was going to be the cash in for this because um comics are as visible as they've ever been not just in terms of the first avengers movie came out five years ago yeah, uh, well, I know that they've announced some sort of Guardians of the Galaxy. I know we have the Telltale, Telltale game that's coming, but I think yeah. there's uh, 
they're working on a, a, a their own standalone Guardians mm. kind of game. Um, I just I wonder if like there's been reservations just because by and large, other than like Spider Man Two, like most superhero games have been pretty... injustice, injustice and Batman obviously, mm. um, but maybe that's where they've gotten the confidence from but like by and large when you think of superhero games they tend to be kind of terrible yeah, yeah. i remember the original iron man game being fucking atrocious yeah. um marvel vs. capcom it's a good time yeah but i you know 2d beat em ups that yeah, yeah come on now um but yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes like i i hope it turns out pretty good i would very much enjoy playing a guardians of the galaxy kind of action shooter platformer type game that'd yeah. be great i think that might be even harder to pull off than the avengers one in some ways um, because like that's gotta have the triple A sheen, but also be like weird and quirky like the Guardians. Otherwise, it won't feel authentic. Like it's 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 a tough thing to do. Yeah, but I also think no, it's probably more difficult to do Avengers because you more have a balancing act of more characters, and like you've got some characters that let's be honest now, four is or four should it be is kind of OP as fuck. You know, <laughs> how do you balance him up against? He is a god. Yeah, yeah you know. Uh, moving on, Super Mario Run has passed 78 million downloads, which is a big milestone. Well, so I think there's like 4 million of them were paid for purchase. 4 million yeah. uh, have actually purchased and that's which not is even... still, a, like, it's a decent chunk of people that they've got to pay fucking $10. And that's even before they've got it on Android as well. Yeah. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that's not bad. Um... The game itself is very much a, a Marmite sort of situation. There are a lot of people who are big fans of it. There are an awful lot of people who went, this is not what I want from a Mario game. I have a feeling I would fall into the latter camp, considering I don't generally play mobile games, nor do I generally care for endless runners. My uh, my iPad pretty much refused to play it, so I'm hoping, like, when it comes out on Android, that my uh, Samsung tablet will play it. Um, friend of the show, Matt Niner, he was giving me kind of a running commentary on it as he was playing it. He's a big fan of it. He enjoys it. Um, I... I, I wouldn't technically classify it as an endless runner because it does have like specific level design and it does have like an end goal. It has tenets of the endless runner. Kinda, but um, I don't know. I have a, when I think of endless runner, I think of like a procedurally generated type environment mm. where this is more everything. Cause this is Nintendo after all, you know, they, everything is meticulously put there for a reason. So I want to at least <laughs> at some point sort of Nintendo. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I I want to see that in its entirety. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping <laughs> my tablet will freaking run it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it's uh, yeah, that, that, it's never really bitten for me that one. Uh, finally, this week, uh, I don't know if you saw this. IGN France picked up this. Um, the, the the French version of the WB the WB games twitter account tweeted out uh, a simple little poster nothing given away just saying save the date and it's march 8th 2017 um so the internet has been rife with speculation all week and it is likely one of two games and one of these i'd be very excited for and one of these i don't think it's been long enough yet um the one it's most likely is the the fourth proper arkham game and it'll be we don't we don't need another arkham game no, not not yet anyway no we don't need another arkham game 
the I have I've had my fill with Arkham. I love Arkham <laughs> Arkham Asylum. You, you, I was burnt out by the end of Yeah, this is you 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 do acknowledge you were in the minority though on that one. No, I f- I think most people I've No, seen... well no, in that you don't like Arkham City. Oh no, I'm on about that by the end of Arkham Knight, I think most people are like oh, yeah. yeah, okay, we've well, we've seen what yeah, this Yeah, I, I would describe it as do. burnout. I would describe it as like I have had my fill now. I'd say burnout. I'd, I'm, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been burned out at all. And, People... and no, City is terrible. What? S- Arkham City is terrible. Has a higher Metacritic score than Arkham Asylum. Do not. <laughs> do not use the I Metacritic lo- argument love, against me. I, I love that you don't like that game at all. Because loads of people do. <laughs> loads and loads and loads. <laughs> but uh, the, the rumour for the, the, the fourth, it, it is... It is the fifth, really, because of Arkham Origins, which no, that that one uniformly, most people don't like. That I never one played it, so you don't really get arguments <laughs> on. Um, but the, the 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 speculation about this one is it had been rumored that there was a design doc going around for an Arkham game that wasn't Batman; it was Damian Wayne, who is the son of Batman and is currently Robin in the DC comics. Okay, uh, that it's actually about him; it's not actually batman uh, i was far more excited by the other concept that was teased in arkham knight and that was either a superman game done like an arkham game or a justice league game I'm trying to imagine superman hanging from a gargoyle but you could do like because like superman combat it's tough don't get me wrong uh to try and figure out a way a- again the whole uh superman is op yeah role. but as well like superman is pretty cool and in injustice and doesn't feel any more or less overpowered than other characters. Yeah, because he has to be confined to the confound to the rules of a, a more combat fighting system. So yeah, you can do yeah. that. And you can confine him to anything. But... Yeah, no, you can. You can. I don't know. I... It's comics. You can confine him. Yeah, in an He's open a wo- fictional character. In an open world Superman game. I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't, I don't like Superman. Yeah, but he's a very hard to like character and he's not one of my favorites that's for sure uh the justice league game would have been a cool idea as well hmm. um but, but no, I, I, yeah i think it's uh, i think even for fans of the series i'm quite a fan of the series it's too soon it's it's only been two years since the last one yeah. i know this game won't come out this year no, no, no but it's like it's just especially when they were so rocksteady now this is going to be wb montreal if it if it is because rocksteady have been rigid in that we're fucking done like because they did they they stayed on the project long enough to do arkham vr last year sure so they did that uh and then they were kind of like no we're done with batman games we've told our story now that trilogy is their story they are the sean michaels of video game development all right they are sticking to their laws laws on this one um i I, from from what i can see here um i didn't look too much into it i i did see the the warner brothers logo pop up on twitter a couple of times I'd be shocked if it's anything other than Shadow of Mortal well, 2. the thing is, the save the date, that language was used in the teaser for one of the Batman games before. Mm. Um, and the, the WB logo in it is cracked in the same way that one, the font for one of the Arkham games was. So that's where people are drawing that it must be Arkham. Uh, and the fact that it's um, like 
it's the easier cash cow of the two. But yeah, the other possibility is Shadow of Mordor 2, which I'm far more excited for. I think there is a huge fan base of people that that game won over because it came out to little or no fanfare and then everyone was like, holy shit, this game is Yeah, great. that was a really, like... And you don't it see wasn't it, people had it in their hands. You don't see it that often these days, that proper kind of word of mouth. Like, no, this is really There good. have been two big ones this generation for me which, like, came out to little or no fanfare and turned to be excellent. And it was Shadow of Mordor and Dying Light. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose Rocket League as well. Uh, kind of, but, like, that had an easier Yeah, it's kind a little different, but it's the same kind exposure. of that once people started playing it, they sure. went, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, Um. But, yeah, Shadow of Mordor 2. Uh, the game is definitely open for... Um, expanding on we know for a fact that the game exists in some stage of development because I think we reported on the podcast last year some voice actor accidentally listed it as one of their projects on uh, on LinkedIn <laughs> that they had done a, they contributed a voice to Shadow of Mordor 2 mm. uh, kind of in the same way that we found out that Watch Dogs 2 was happening um, so we know that there is the Shadow of Mordor 2 exists somewhere or at least maybe some sort of small demo of it exists to try and sell the studio on actually doing the full thing so we know what's being thought of at some level I really hope it's that for the sake of you know we can argue back and forth as to whether the the Arkham franchise is completely burnt out I think another game in the next year or two would successfully completely burn everybody <laughs> out uh, I'm perfectly at my fill of Batman games now for a while I well, yeah, go another three years let's point out as well you're the mad bastard who did the Riddler challenges on Arkham yeah Ryan. yeah I am yeah um, but and you call me sick but even at the same like uh, like just the idea of like because that game was so huge as well you yeah. know even if you hadn't played much in the last uh, of the, and of I the other two games did, it was really starting to feel like okay they are padding this game out with some mm. unnecessary filler at points um yeah, it would just be... Like, we'll see on March 8th. Like, there's no point in uh, trying to speculate too much about it. We'll, we'll see more about here. what it is. Um, I keep my fingers crossed for Shadow of Mordor 2. Uh, you can pick up Shadow of Mordor relatively cheap. And, Mark, you are still an outlier on that. You didn't care that much for it. No, well, but, this is the thing. Like, so, <laughs> Shadows of Mordor had elements of Assassin's Creed, which is a game I don't care for. It, uh, I, I will say. It is a much better Assassin's Creed game than Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I will be perfectly fine with that. Actually, I, I was fine with Assassin's Creed 2 up until you had a punch-up with the Pope. And then I went, eh, you know what? I think I'm done with this. I'm at a freaking Pope. Um, and I I don't care about Lord of the Rings, so that yeah. doesn't help. A, I think it being set in a universe you don't really give a shite about yeah, doesn't help at probably. all. Probably. Um, like, I thought it was cool because they basically had Assassin's Creed uh, world traversal. Arkham Arkham style combat, that nemesis system, which I cannot believe hasn't been ripped off a hundred ways from Sunday, um, and in a world that I care about, uh, Lord of the Rings, and telling an original story in that world, which is really weird for yeah. a fiction that's the guts of a century old. I still keep wanting to call it the, the Dennis system. I don't know why. The Dennis system. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I feel that's actually like an acronym for something else. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna, apart from it, it's, it's always sunny. I'm gonna. That's exactly where it's from. Yeah. <laughs> No, I thought that's no, why is. you were laughing because it, you knew it was Dennis Reynolds. No, it's subconsciously in the back of my mind. I know that, but I don't know that. It's, it's like I've been walking around uttering a, a, a reference from a film and I refuse to look it up until I remember it by myself. Yeah, sure. Uh, all this week I'll be going, what is a man? 
What a miserable pile of secrets. <laughs> See, now that I could have told you straight away is from yeah. Symphony of the Night. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to wait and try to remember it myself. Um, anyway, uh, that's going to do it for the news this week. Uh, we're going to move into the book club this week where we are talking about a game from way back. N64, the second game I owned for that system uh, after Diddy Kong Racing. Uh one of the the early games that made me fascinated with uh, space exploration, and that is uh, Lilat Wars, aka Star Fox sixty four. Star Fox 64, known in Australia and Europe as Lilat Wars, is a 3D scrolling shooter game themed around aircraft combat for the Nintendo 64 video game console. It's a reboot of the original Star Fox, and the only game in the Star Fox series to be released on N64. An auto-stereoscopic remake titled Star Fox 64 3D was released for the Nintendo 3DS in 2011. The protagonist of the story and the player character is Fox McLeod, a red fox and leader of the Star Fox team who must save the Lilat system. His father, James McLeod, was part of the original Star Fox team but was missing and presumed dead years before the start of the game. The main antagonist of the game is Andros, a scientist from Corneria who was exiled to Venom after he nearly destroyed the planet. So, Mark. Star Fox. One of the, uh, the two... Uh, some would say neglected pseudo sci-fi franchises Nintendo have in its wing along with Metroid. Oh uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. When it comes to outer space, <laughs> they like to shove those ones under the carpet or make very poor ones. Funnily enough, the last time they got really good with going into outer space was with Mario. Yeah, mm. interesting. Yeah. Isn't um, Can't wait to see what they do with Tetris. <laughs> Star Fox 4, this was the first one I played in the series. I didn't play the original Star Fox until a long time later. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, because I kind of only got, I got, a, I think I said this before on the show, I only got an SNES uh, after I got the N64 because my, when my auntie got her N64, she just gave me her SNES. So right, I right, right. discovered okay. things like that. Um, so this is the first one of it I, I played in the franchise. I still to this day, even though a ROM exists of it that you can go and play, I still haven't played the incompleted uh, Star Fox 2. Uh, see, I have, and uh, it's I've, a fascinating I've story. I've seen it being played. It's a fascinating story, that one. Um, it was one of the early, like, uh, I suppose you, I suppose Doom counts as a science fiction game. Yeah, um, sure. It does. You yeah. don't necessarily think of it as one, but it is one. Science fiction horror. Um, but this would be one of the other early sci-fi games I, I, I played. Um, I really, really like this game a lot. Mm-hmm. Um it's one of the few, one of the types of games generally I'm not a huge fan of is uh, the kind of like on rails sort of game because I enjoy my exploration. I enjoy being able to deviate off the path. 
Um, so it takes a pretty significantly interesting on rails game to hook me. Uh, and I really, really did get hooked in this. I, I can't tell you the amount of times because it's also, as we'll get into, a very uh, easy game to just uh, pick up and beat in a sitting. Yeah, I, the thing with uh, Lilac Wars and by Lilac extension... Lilac Wars, by the way, can we just say, much better name than Star Fox 64. Well, yeah. The thing with Lilac Wars and by extension Star Fox, um, but where I feel they really nailed with Lilac Wars, is that, yeah, it is an on-rail shooter, but what they get right is it has that kind of almost borderline rhythm action muscle memory aspect where the level when you play it several times yeah it's the same every time all the enemies appear but you start to get into a pattern it's the kind of pattern that's conducive to say a speed run a to a sp- well, not really a speedrun because the level flows at the same pace. I've seen someone beat Andros in a couple of seconds. Well, yeah, in terms yeah, of the, the bosses, fair enough. Um, but it has that that Mega Man feel to it, where the enemies appear in the same place every time, so yeah, you yeah. start to pick up the patterns of where to shoot at certain uh, enemies. Yeah. And the challenge from that comes in getting the the combo chains and learning how to get your uh, charge shot like powered up and and kind of knowing how to shoot that at the right time getting like if you have um, a group of five enemies making sure that you hit the middle one every single time Um, and that comes with like it's one of those very easy to pick up games but to like master it is is a whole nother beast it also um, I think making it the majority of that game uh, on rails really makes it significant and kind of almost mind-blowing when you go into this several moments throughout the game depending on what branching path you go on where you go into what's described as all range mode yeah in, the, in where it is actually free movement um a, a couple of levels in there like the, the first boss there's the uh the level that i always call the independence day level where you yeah. fi- <laughs> yeah. have the massive dog fight <laughs> under uh, a flying saucer this is really the game where, um, with the space combat, I got um, really fascinated by, and really, I, I've always had an itch for a game that does outer space dogfighting in sure. planes really well. And that's why I really love for a while, there's a few levels in Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront that we mentioned earlier in the show, that has X-Wing and TIE Fighter dogfights, and it's fucking great. Uh, but that yeah the Independence Day level as I always call it the, the the boss battle on Corneria and there's another one that's very similar to on a planet that's very similar to Hoth and Star Wars because this this franchise borrows heavily on sci-fi <laughs> really on, in Star Wars Never on Star Wars on Independence Day because there's no way does that uh, that the giant spaceship the, the, the and giant the spaceship yeah, go down sure. that way onto the pyramid yeah. without you thinking of Independence Day um <laughs> Yeah, there's the big um, satellite uh, station. Uh, you have another dogfight on there where you mm-hmm. need to uh, shoot down that's the, the towers. That's the one that's like Hoth. Yeah. Where, you know the in Star Wars where the, the Adat walkers are? Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, and I think... So you talk about the dogfights there. So they mm-hmm. basically... They took that from the failed game that was Star Fox 2. Yeah. Because that was in there, which for a SNES game, what, like... I mean, you think about it... So I grew up with those games at the time when they came out. So the original Star Fox was 1993. I was five years old when that game came out. You can imagine me at the time had my tiny little fragile mind blown by that. 
on top of the these kind of vector graphics, which the only other game I remembered was uh, there was a, a driving game on the Mega Drive, uh, Virtual Racer, I think, uh, which used like a VR chip and was like, oh my god, virtual, uh, not virtual reality, but like a VFX, I think, maybe. Um, and these kind of polygonal, very basic rudimentary polygonal figures and models. And Star Fox was the same, but... The difference here is that Star Fox had um, like a, a real like tone and presence to it, and it also had a phenomenal soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of extrapolated all of those ideas and themes from the first Star Fox and the the kind of m- unused features of Star Fox Two, and brought it into the N sixty four with obviously nice looking graphics. I'm not as big of a fan as a soundtrack. I think that they they failed on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not memorable. It's not memorable, no. But what it does have is it carries over that general tone of like space fighting dog battles. Yep. It has a really good um, variation in the level design of the planets. Yep. Like the the branching uh, parts in the universe is great. Yeah, it's cool. It adds a replayability to the game that a lot of games of that era don't have. No, I can't remember some of the planets' names off the top of my head, but <laughs> the fire one, the fire one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always used to try to avoid that, like the plague. Yeah, I um, so for the longest time, I would only ever play it on easy mode. Um, it was only when I was a little bit older that I started like I should actually play all of these levels and really yeah. appreciate them. And yeah, the fire one, I think it's Titan. I think is that one is a bit of a bastard. Like the 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 end boss and that one's a fucking nightmare to deal with. Yeah. But then as you go on the left hand side and you um. You get like the Aquarius uh, underwater with the submarine, submarine, which is very difficult to play now because that is murky as fuck. Um, but like the, the like game, I try to play the Water Temple. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like you, you you can feel the the difference in the uh, the difficulty because like that the, the level after, which is uh, set on like a polluted planet. Um, and make way for cat. But it it adds like these objectives, like it was solar, wasn't it? Solar, yep. Yeah. Um, but it has side objectives, like you need to shoot all of the security panels, otherwise um, they'll go off and you're fucked, basically. Yeah. So, like, I like that it adds these different objectives, like on the planet with, uh, I think, Macbeth, they, with the train, you have to shoot all the security uh, gates out as well. All the planets feel different. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Again, for that period of time, it's it's incredible. Uh, also has what... Have you ever seen the, the Honest trailers for Starwalk 64? I don't think I have. It's an Honest game. You know the way Smosh do Honest game sure. trailers with the guy from Honest movie trailers? Okay. Uh, they did one for Star Fox 64 and I have to mention uh, a fact that I cannot deny that is mentioned in that trailer. Best video game tank ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you could do a barrel roll in a tank, that's a good day. Sure. <laughs> that's a good day at the office. Now, do we talk about Slippy? Well, this is it. Um, you want to talk about, like, it's a trope of video games to have a character perpetually in peril. <laughs> but Slippy is uh, quite something. Yeah. So you've got Fox, your protagonist. you got Peppy Hair, who's basically there every five seconds go, Remember your dead dad, Fox? Like, every single time. Yeah. That's his thing. <laughs> Um, you got Falco, Falco who's, who's just, just like a... I'm cool fuck off <laughs> <laughs> you've got oh what's his name the guy the, the other pig who's definitely not evil at all oh Jesus um, I can't remember I know there's like Wolf 
and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like a chameleon or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're the guys that are on that the the satellite installation. You got Star Fox and Star Wolf. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but uh, Slippy Toad is quite the calamitous arse. Yeah. Um, but like always constantly on fire but i like that (laughs) basically but i like how they implement that into a plot device where like there's a level where if he gets knocked off and goes flying into um god whatever the hell the name of the planet is your um your path gets moved and you have to go and now save him so like it, it adds the incentive to try and play the game in different ways, because if you keep Slippy with you, then you know your path is different. And I like, I like those little features that gives the game a lot of replayability. Because you can finish the game in a couple of hours, easy. And if you get really good, you can finish it even less time than that. Yeah, I was gonna say you could probably, you could do like the critical path where you don't vary at all. You oh, do that gotcha. in an hour or less. Yeah. So they find ways of adding the replayability. And I like, I always like games where they have a difficulty setting, but it's not an actual just pick a difficulty setting. Yeah, it's yeah. play the game in a particular way to get a different difficulty uh-huh. setting. I always appreciate yeah. when games do that. They also, the, the levels, there's some of them have different shortcuts uh, mm-hmm. and things like that, that like, even though it is on rails, you can kind of like pull really hard to one side and sure. go through different gates and things yeah. like that. Um, Like... <sighs> It's just, for a game where the core gameplay of it is so rigid because it's on rails most of the time, to have as much freedom of exploration in a universe and as many branching paths as it does is quite, it's quite an interesting contrast, I've always thought. You know, massive universe where you can go pretty much any way you want depending on how you play uh, versus like when you're actually in the level, you're going in a straight line is pretty great. Um... Uh, the sound design in it, like I know the soundtrack isn't uh, terribly memorable, but the actual, like the foley art, art as you'd call it, with like the the sound of the bombs going off and the sound of the lasers and the sound of just the the aircraft, yeah, is pretty great. I mean, that all definitely has again that Star Wars feel to it, you know, mm-hmm. all very much coming from that direction. The very satisfying noise to the lock-on system as well. The lock-on system in it yep. is great. Yep. Um. It's amazing that we we're still in some ways waiting for a game that nails outer space dogfighting when we have one from the mid nineties that did it so well. And let's be honest, it's not exactly like Star Fox itself has been able to do that since then. No, and that's the other thing that's significant about this game is that this from here it's a significant downward trend in games yeah. in the Star Fox series. Yeah, there was. Was it Dinosaur the... Planet? What the hell was that one called? I, I, I need to... I, I'm going to get up the Star Fox series now, right? Mm. So we had Star Fox Adventures, yes. which was became a third-person yeah, platformer. Yeah, fairly bland. Star Fox Assault and Star Fox Command. Mm. I can't tell which one is which. Then Star Fox 64 3D, which I actually thought was pretty disappointing. Um... And then Star Fox Zero, and I don't actually know what is Star Fox. Oh, what is Star Fox Guard again? Oh, that's the freaking Tower Defense game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, Star Fox Star Zero, Fox Zero was, was really disappointing because yeah. that looked for a while like it had potential. No, I always thought it looked terrible. I always thought it looked like a bad PS2 game. <laughs> 
Look at you, Captain Optimism. I'm sorry, but he did. The first it time did. I saw it, I thought that this this has potential not to like not to blow me away, but to be a return to some sort of not terribleness. It seemed like they were trying to harken back to Lilac Wars. Yeah, and, they, it was a soft reboot of Lilac Wars. And and when you know what they should do? Hey, do you know what? If it had just been Lilac Wars but pretty, I would have been sure. Cool. Do you know what they need to do? What's that? They need to go the Sonic route now. Give it to a small developer. Oh, they're going to say Lilac Wars Rise of Lyric. <laughs> it's not where I was going, funnily enough. No, they need to give it to a Christian Whitehead kind of developer who has... Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, they need to give it to my mate Chaz because he fucking loves Lilac Wars and he's been trying to make a Lilac Wars game for the last 20 years. Um, the It's one of the best games, I think, to watch. Not so much as like a speed run, but as like a completion run. Um, because... Getting those gold medals is a f- is a challenge in itself. Right, um, like if you want to see some kind of dexterity and like expert video game playing, that is a game to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like it's super satisfying getting to the end of Andro- Andros, and then it's super fucking weird having to shoot down a brain and two eyes. Yeah, um, it's that game. It's trippy as balls at certain points. It takes some turns. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, rather than elevator pitch I think I'll leave it on this I think that the lasting legacy we'll talk about the critical reception here um, game rankings give this game a score of 89 out of 100 uh, Metacritic with a score of 88 all game gave it 4.5 stars Edge 9 out of 10 Famitsu 36 out of 40 GamePro 5 out of 5 GameSpot 8.3 out of 10 IGN 8.7 out of 10 and Nintendo Power with the incredibly awkward score of 4.325 out of 5 <laughs> Um, it it does exist as Mark mentioned in a, a, a sort of a port of the 3DS Star Fox 64 3D I wouldn't recommend you play that I recommend you go out your way to try and find it um, on it's on N64. virtual console it's on virtual console as well yeah. but I think N64 is the most kind of is, is the best because it's still it's not like Perfect Dark which we talked about a couple of weeks ago where performance wise it is choppy as fuck uh, Lilac Wars actually still does play quite well if you can get your hands on it on N64 yeah uh, it it when it gets a bit busy, certainly when you're underwater, uh, the game does kind of grind to a halt. But for the most part, it runs pretty smoothly. Uh, and then finally, uh, the, the lasting legacy of this game isn't uh, how much I love sci-fi or anything like that. The lasting legacy of this game is the do a barrel roll meme, which comes from this. There you go. So what more do you need? Play like that wars, kids. Uh, Mark, last bit of business. You need to tell us what the game for episode 53 is going to be. We are going to... Leave us in suspense no longer. We are going to finally dive into a series that we have yet to jump into. And there's a few of them that we will need to to go into detail about. And I don't expect you to have too much input on them. So um, how we'll approach them as we go by each one that we decide to talk about, we'll see. Uh, but I want to talk about my favourite one in this series. Um, it's so much better than the one that everyone goes to, and we'll talk about that next week. But we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VI. Oh, here we go. Um, better than seven, right? Oh, he's making a big shout already. Uh, no, no, it's just the shout. It's not a big <laughs> shout, it's the shout. Uh, we will probably probably try and get a special guest on for that next week not sure very special yet, guest but... if it's the guest i'm thinking of. yeah <laughs> um, a guest who has not been subtle at all about how they want to come on for a final fantasy game no and i feel i should reward him because he's yeah. he's been patient enough um yeah so 
it will most likely be Final Fantasy VI, but he may want to go for another one. But we'll, we'll, you know, it will be a Final Fantasy game definitely next week. I'll say that much. Final, so. A Final Fantasy game, probably six, coming <laughs> up on episode fifty-three. Possibly like nine, definitely not twelve or thirteen or fifteen. <laughs> You're gonna play some uh, Blitzball. We do some 10. <laughs> no. I tell you, I have started 10 on at least five separate occasions. Haven't we all? And just... Um, that's going to do it for Link to Cast this week. Episode 52 is now in the bag. Um, if you want to stay in contact with us, linktothecast.eu is the website where the show notes get posted. Uh, all that sort of stuff. Articles when we have the time to do them. Uh, linktothecast at gmail.com is the email address. Keep in touch with us on social media because it's probably the best place to keep up to date with our content at link to the cast on twitter facebook.com forward slash link to the cast as well we do streams at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast so check us out there we do tweet out a link every time we start one so following us on twitter will ensure that you know when we go live search for link to the cast on youtube we have quite a library of streams over there so you can check out all the stuff we've been doing over the last year and a half or so since we started doing streams uh over there we do have a weekly schedule of content that goes up uh mondays is mark on monday that's when mark does his solo stream playing through something you're playing through day of the tentacle at the moment mark how's that going certainly for am. it's um more enjoyable than i thought it's actually a game where even though it's primarily uh, a mouse and keyboard game uh-huh. it, they actually port it over to controls in a in a pretty smooth kind of way uh, same yeah. could be said of uh, grim Fandango. yeah it's, it's, it's definitely Fandango. another game i'll need to check at some point but i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it so far good times uh tuesday is the day where uh, an old book club will get posted to the youtube channel we take out our book club feature where we look at an old uh, significant game from uh, gaming's past uh, we, we put it up on its own on YouTube. Mark, what went up most recently? Um, sorry, I got distracted there by a second because Steep is uh, is 40 quid on the Pearson cell. Steep. Steep. <laughs> sorry, what was your question there? <laughs> so what was the most recent book club that we put up on YouTube? Uh, you, what one was that? I put them on the spot twice with the same question. I don't remember. I know I put one up last week, but I don't remember what it was. So yeah, every week you can check our YouTube channel and one of the book clubs goes up there. Wednesday is uh, linked to the cast plays. At the moment, we're doing a series called Down with the Witness, where Mark slowly loses his fucking mind trying to play Jonathan Blows the Witness, and he's getting very close indeed. I think between the two of us, we're starting to get there, which is even more amazing because you've played through the game once. Yeah, it's harder because like it is harder to watch someone do it when you're not controlling it and having to try and talk out puzzles out loud slows down my thinking process i am much better on my own in silence trying to solve puzzles than i am trying to work with someone solving them that game gets rough yeah it does uh we're getting towards the end of it and we're going to have to start having discussions mark because when the breaking point comes and i feel it is just round the corner <laughs> Um, we're going to have to have a game that we can pivot into uh, sure. to do Link the Cast. I, we have plenty of games we can oh, go into. I know one. Uh huh. We'll talk about it off air. All right. It's one you're not going to be happy with. Uh, it's not Resident Evil. I'm not doing it. No, it's not that. <laughs> um, so that's that's our Wednesday series. And if it's a game made by David Cage, you can also fuck off. Moving on. Uh, 
<laughs> Thursday is the day the podcast comes out. That's the only thing that comes out that day. 90 minutes of enjoyment just for your ears. Uh, Friday is Friday of Plays. That's my solo series where I ring in the weekend by playing something I'm interested in. At the moment, playing Life is Strange. And what a gem of a game that is, Mark. I do recommend that you pick that up at some stage because I'm having quite a bit of fun with it. It's um, It's getting super weird, even... Even weirder than you had seen it already. I hear it gets pretty weird. Yeah, uh, on the stream that goes up this Friday, I believe I have to bear witness to Chloe getting hit by uh, a train over and over again because I can't find a crowbar. Oh, good times. (laughs) Yeah, so it's uh, it's a good time. Uh, Looking forward to getting back into that. I have to do another record session at the start of next week to bank a few of them. Um, but that's our content anyway, and that is another episode of Latest Cast in the Books. For myself, Dave Ryan, and for Mark Robinson over there, we are at Dave Ryan IV and at Lithium Project on the Tweet Machine ourselves. Um, we shall see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>